From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Anxiety Project podcast. This is your host with the most on anxiety recovery, Brad Robinson, coming at you today with the six habits of a health anxiety sufferer. Now, these are really big habits, ones that I've done back in the day when I suffered from health anxiety, and they're very common, I find, with most people. So I put together this list of the most common habits. But before I get into the common habits, I just want to touch on some stuff and kind of go on a tangent a little bit regarding a few things before the uh, six the six uh, habits. And I want to first start off by saying that, you know, we, we run our habits from our subconscious, right? Our subconscious is what's keeping our patterns intact, right? Why we keep running the same unhealthy patterns over and over over again. Our subconscious is exactly like a seven-year-old child. It's exactly like a seven-year-old child. It questions everything. It loves familiarity. And it's very, very fearful. Very fearful. You know, you may find yourself in so many situations where you're like, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? And and that is your subconscious. That's the seven-year-old child. You know, we, we're not accustomed to using rational thoughts now, especially practicing anxiety for so long. You know, it's, it's important that, you know, we adopt new beliefs and we get rid of old limiting beliefs. And our subconscious finds one way of doing something and it continues to run the same pattern over and over again because our subconscious is 90% of that iceberg underwater and the 10% above the water is our conscious mind. So everything going about your day-to-day lives, it's pretty much running on your subconscious. Your subconscious is holding all your beliefs. Your subconscious is holding all of your fears and traumatic events and embarrassing moments that happened to you in your past. And it really holds your identity, right? So it's about learning to how it's about building a stronger rapport with your subconscious mind and learning how to communicate with it. Okay. That's really important when it comes to just living a strong, fulfilled life and having a strong identity, right? We all want that identity. We all we all have people in our lives that we look up to and admire, especially like in the movies and on TV. And it's like, how do we get there? Or you put yourself down for not being that way. You know, it's your it's the subconscious mind that we really need to 
get in touch with. We, we need to build a rapport with it, okay? In uh, union psychology, the idea that you have a potential future self is made clear. You have this potential future self, and uh, Jordan Peterson really touches on this idea as well and talks about it. Everything that you could be and that manifests itself in every moment of your present life. So you have this future self, right? Tomorrow, eight hours from now, whatever, 10 years from now. We all have this future self. And every moment that we live our lives, we... we we need to do things in order to benefit that future self, in order to stay on that path towards that self that you want, that you want to create, right? For instance, like if you're on a diet and you give into a box of cookies, you're betraying that future self five hours from now, the future self of tomorrow, right? You're, you're betraying that future self for instant gratification, right? You're harming that person. And that's what, that's what he means, right? From, you know, you have this future being, you're, you're actually harming that being. It, or you could actually do that being more benefit by maybe meditating you know, or you could go to the gym. You know, no one likes going to the gym, right? Like, who who wants to go to the gym? You know, every time I go to the gym, I don't want to go, but I always go because I know it's going to benefit my future self. I need to get rid of the excess energy and so forth, right? It's all about maintaining a physical connection, right? Especially going to the gym. So, Every moment is an opportunity to change. That's what this whole point is really, that's what I want to get with this whole point, <clears throat> is that it's an opportunity for change. It's an op- every moment is an opportunity to benefit your future self, whether you're on a diet, whether you're meditating, whether you're reading uh, self-help books or starting an anxiety program or doing coaching, or whatever, that's where we want to go. And you have to be a fool before you become the master. You have to become the fool. You have to be willing to be a fool. A lot of people do not take this step because of their fear of failure. Their fear of failure. But it turns out... You have to fail and become the fool in order to follow the path to your higher self. You have to become the fool. You have to fail, right? When you start a new job, when you're starting something new, um, reading uh, books that you're unfamiliar with or you know, taking a langu- language class, whatever it may be, a new karate class, you're going to 
be a fool. You're not going to know what you're doing. You're going to fail. You're go- it's going to take you some time to get a grasp of it. But that's important because a lot of people don't want to put themselves in that position in order to benefit their higher self, right? In order to grow. And this is important in life because this is the... This is the key to to finding fulfillment in life and and meaning, right? We have to jump into unfamiliar waters in order to grow as people, in order to get out of our comfort zones, right? All ideas are ridiculous. All ideas are ridiculous. you You have ridiculous. If you have an idea for a business, if you have, you know, idea for you know, a short film you want to want to make or whatever it may be, they are they are ridiculous, all of them. And the idea that you're going to succeed and get it right the very first time is zero. But it's important that you start. Make a bad first draft. Make a bad first movie. Make the worst movie you can possibly make. Just make it. Do you remember the... um? What's it? The the worst movie ever made? The Room? Well, I don't think it's the worst movie ever made because look how much money it made over the years it's it's been out. The Room was a terrible, terrible movie. The first Star Wars movie, George Lucas, while making it, thought it was terrible. He thought this would never, never work. But he made the movie. And look what happened. It's important that you do it. Make it terrible. Make it as terrible as you want. But just start. People end up waiting around for the right idea to come. And they wait for the right opportunity to present itself. But it never comes around. It's important that you just start and do it badly. Just do it. It's better to do it badly than not to do it. And that's where I'm going to end that rant. And then I'm going to start with the number six biggest habit a health anxiety sufferer does is too much time in your safe space, too much time at home. Do you spend too much time at home because you feel safe there? Or do you feel safe around your loved ones too much time around them? Because you you want to feel the reassurance. You want to get the reassurance. And and this stems from agoraphobia too. Because agoraphobia is, is the fear of being in a public space and losing control losing control right you don't want to you don't want to be in a public space and lose control you don't want to be in a public space and die so these are the fears that kind of ruminate over in your in your head and that's why you stay at home and not go out and and try something new or 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 go to the mall or the coffee shop whatever it may be or work it's because it's the fear of not being in control and and losing your grasp of reality really and and in in not being in control right it that's what it just comes down to and number 5 
is leaving the event early. Leaving the event early. Why would you leave the event early? It's 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 pretty simple, really. You're very internal, right? You're very hung up on your sensations, and 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 it also it leads back to number six. You want to leave to go back to your safe zone, to go back to your safe zone, this your safety area, right? And and it's it's the fear of of judgments from other people. You don't want to feel judged. You're very critical on yourself. You don't think you're worthy. You're very very um you have low self-confidence and you you you, you have a hard time being around people especially like at work and 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 certain friends because you know, you're not only self-critical because you think of yourself as quiet, being too quiet, being too this, being too that, but it's it's the fear of not being in control, and it's the fear of of judgments because you you're having panic or you're having bodily sensations, and you fear that you know you might throw up when you're with them, you might have a heart attack when you're with them, you might you have to go to the call an ambulance when you're with them because you're having a panic attack and you feel like you're dying, right? So there's all these reasons like you have a headache and you got you got to be so internal because you anxiety sufferers are very internal where they are constantly uh, making sure that they're okay. They're they're analyzing themselves constantly and making sure that you know they're alive, they're well, they're healthy. And this drives them mad, right? This drives an anxiety sufferer mad, and and it it they have such a hard time socializing with people because of that. They're very very internal. Number four is calling a loved one for reassurance. This one was big, especially for me, where you know being at the art gallery where I had a panic attack. If you don't know the story, there's a podcast of it uh, uh one of the uh my anxiety story podcasts and you know i called up reass- uh, loved ones for reassurance constantly for like you know what if what if it is something serious what if i am dying you know what if <clears throat> what if uh I, I you know this is the end you know what if i have some serious health issues and always getting the reassurance from a loved one saying, oh, no, it's fine. You know, you're okay. And that's good. That's like a that's like a miniature vacation. That's like a miniature Band-Aid. And then we get so attached to that uh, habit, right? Because like every time, every time we talk to the loved one, we sort of get a, a dopamine rush where it's like, oh, you know, I feel so much better because I talked to you. So, and then when we're left alone again, we are very, very internal, and then we're very fearful. We're not comfortable with ourselves, right, if you have anxiety. So, so yeah, so calling a loved one, and, you know, the less you do this, and the less I started to do it, the more comfortable I, I, I was with myself. And the reason why is because I became I faced the fear head on like calling a loved one is such an easy way out where it's like challenge yourself and be like I'm not going to call my loved one today no matter what and if it kills me it'll kill me 
and this is a great way to look at it. And this is what I started to do back when I was recovering from anxiety is, you know, not to phone up a loved one every chance, but to face the fear head on and, and gradual exposure to the fear, gradual gradual exposure in time will lessen the fear in time. But you have to take those steps. You have to challenge yourself in order to overcome anxiety, in order to strengthen the new neural pathways in your brain for a, big, for a healthier, stronger you, okay? Number three is touching parts of your body. You know, this one is uh, a, a big one. A lot of people touch like the sides of their chest when they're talking. Do you ever feel like you're rubbing the back of your neck when you're talking to somebody? You're in a conversation with somebody and, you know, you're rubbing the, your neck or, um, you know, you're touching the side of your arm and you're rubbing it and stuff like that. That That is a, a bad habit that needs to be broken. And, and this is a very common habit for health anxiety sufferers because, you know, there's it like I touch in every podcast, this topic of your mind and your body are one, right? Your mind and your body are both one. So think of it like, you know, you know, as I said before, 90% is your subconscious. Your subconscious is storing repressed emotional issues deep within your body. So you might be touching a part of your chest or your arm. That part of your body is storing some emotional traumatic issue that you haven't dealt with yet, a fear that you haven't confronted yet. And your subconscious is telling you, pay attention to me, pay attention to me, sending you bodily sensations, right? Sending you different sensations throughout certain parts of your body and you're touching them. And, and, and this is a signal from your subconscious that there is something you haven't dealt with yet. And it's trying to get your attention and, and it, it's doing a good job because you are paying attention, right? Internally, you're paying attention. You're touching the, the parts of your body that, that is, is sending you sensations, right? And so that's what's going on. Your subconscious is sending you signals and, and reminding you that there is something here that you haven't dealt with yet. It could have been from your childhood, could have been from a year ago, doesn't matter when. But there's something there that needs to be taken care of, right? Number three, number two, urinating frequently. Urinating a lot. I used to urinate a lot because... I thought that urinating would help flush out all the bad things that was in my body. I knew that at the time when suffering from anxiety, urinating would flush out all the bad toxins because I, th I thought I had something wrong with my kidney. So I, I thought and then I started drinking bucket loads of water, right? All the time. And I was urinating a lot, right? And I thought that I'd, I would pee out all the, the bad infections. I also thought I had a UTI, 
urinary tract infection. I, I thought I had one. I, I never did, but this I was going through health anxiety, so I was drinking lots of water and, and, and uh, cranberry juice and stuff like that and trying to flush flush whatever was in there out, which was nothing. It was just my anxiety, right? So I was urinating a lot, and I was. it was just subconsciously I thought it would help. I thought it would flush the bad things out of my body, and and... And that's why I was urinating, right? And and to get over that, it was just like dealing with the underlying emotional issues, dealing with the negative beliefs, the limiting beliefs, all of this stuff. Over time, my habits would decrease and leave permanently. You know, it's all about dealing with the root causes. Then we then the habits will deteriorate. Okay. And it's about challenging yourself on a daily basis, okay? And then this brings us to number one, one word answers. One word answers as the number one habit I find most people who suffer from anxiety. This was me in a nutshell. You know, when you're talking to somebody and you're like, yeah, of course. And you're like, yep, mm mm-hmm. And you really just don't, you don't, you don't uh, keep the conversation moving, but what happens is you you just give one-word answers because you don't really want to be there, right? And this stems back to leaving the event early, which is number five. You know, giving one-word answers, you don't really want to be there. You want to leave, and you know you're not in your your safe zone. You don't you don't you can't socialize because how can you when you're suffering from anxiety when you're when you're very internal when you're so focus on your sensations and and feelings right and so the one word answers is very very common and the if the most common i find when people go through health anxiety people people don't know how to people are not present people are not external right we're not we we can't we can't really be in the present moment when there's absolute chaos circling within us. Too much chaos, right? And then when there's too much chaos, how can someone with anxiety be so external, right? When there's just so much going on inside, so much emotional baggage that needs to be dug up, that needs to be dealt with, okay? And that's episode 24, Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Please leave a rating on iTunes and comment. And and let me know. Message me any topics or or go to unpluganxiety.com. I have one-on-one coaching there. Sign up right now for coaching. End your anxiety naturally with me. I love you all. Do not let anxiety define who you are. Have a great day. Bye-bye. For more podcast episodes, for more video content, and one-on-one coaching with me via Skype, visit www.unpluganxiety.com for everything you need to know about ending anxiety naturally. I love you all. Have a great day. Bye-bye.